Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My dad in 1978 was a Portland, Oregon policeman for 30 years. And once a year I went with him while he did his police work for a book report at school or something. I was 12. He worked on the graveyard shift, coming home at four in the morning, about seven miles north of Hubbard, Oregon. We lived down a gravel road about one mile from a school. It was all gravel, but it was long enough for two cars to go past each other. And we were just, you know, half asleep, but awake. He and I both saw something leap across the road as if it had already been running. It jumped onto the whole road, which was at least 10 feet wide. It didn't even step into the middle. It jumped off the edge of the ditch and right into the orchard next to where we lived. I looked at my dad and he looked at me. He was a very quiet man, but we just said, what was that about? We got to the house and parked the car in the driveway and we were both running trying to get through the door as fast as we could. When I went to bed that night, I felt like it was morning because I was so anxious. I told my sister that we're moving my bunk beds to the far wall away from the window. Afterward, I didn't talk to anyone except my mom, and I didn't have any close friends and school was out. But then it happened again. A week later, a doctor in his small red Volkswagen drove down the same road towards town. 
He saw the same thing and was so scared that he stopped at the police station. Of course, that got out and it was written up in the paper and all that. It looked just like the Patterson one referring to the Bigfoot creature filmed by Roger Patterson, except that it had lighter hair. Back when my mom was in the hospital, I stayed with her for five days. She was on the sixth floor, whereas the food court and snack machines were on the basement floor. I live in a small town, so our hospital is the only one with six floors. I rode up and down the elevator so much that I knew this place like the back of my hands. Anyway, one day I went down to get a drink and a Kit Kat. Everything was normal except the Coke machine card reader didn't work. When I got off the elevator on the sixth floor, there were just empty walls. There are no nurses stations, no rooms, no painting, no furniture, nothing. I walked towards one end to see random size white buildings and the other end to see tall skyscrapers and a shiny metal window type building. I called out over and over, but no one replied. I walked to the elevator stop and they were missing. I took out my phone to call the hospital to tell them I was lost, but my phone didn't have any bars. This was years ago with flip phones. I kept looking at the windows, hoping to find some sort of person to alert but no one was down there. No cars for miles. After realizing I was literally screwed, panic attacks kicked in. I sat on the floor, staring at the wall, trying to calm myself down for a half hour. When I woke up, the place looked the same except for the elevators. They were back and I sighed of relief. I got in, pushed to the fifth floor of the maternity ward and the doors shut. When they opened, there were the basic light-colored walls, borders trimmed with cute duckies, and the sounds of people talking and babies crying. I found the fire escape and figured I'd take my chances on getting to mom's floor. I opened the door and I was back on the sixth floor, the real one. I walked into mom's room and she said that was fast. I told her I must have been gone for over an hour, but she said I had been gone for less than five minutes. I looked at the TV and the bold and the beautiful was still on as a 30-minute show. I don't know what happened to me or where I was, but I still don't trust elevators. This one time I was swimming in Lake Michigan. It was late at night and I just had a few beers before jumping off my uncle's boat for a swim. I was in the water for maybe five minutes and my uncle and cousin shined the spotlight on me. I will never forget the look of sheer terror on their faces and the yelling that ensued. I felt something slimy wrap around my leg and torso and I started thrashing violently. I managed to get back into the boat and on looking back I saw the biggest, meanest looking bunch of kelp I had ever seen. To this day no one knows what happened to my uncle and cousin. I was asleep one night in December of 2012 at my home in Montgomery, Alabama. I had been experiencing a deep fascination with UFO phenomena, questioning reality, and a deep spiritual awakening. I felt as if I had had similar experiences in my youth to what I'm about to describe, but could never really remember details as I do with this episode. Keep in mind I'm a mother and a professional and do not want to be deemed as crazy. I have only shared this info with my husband right after it happened. 
I felt as if I was dreaming and I was back in my childhood home, several miles from where I actually was. In the dream I woke up and wandered outside as if I was being called to do so. I was then in my former neighbor's front yard. There was a silver disc with three wonderful human-like beings. One felt male and the other two felt female. This was a sort of telepathic feeling. I just sensed who they were and they felt familiar to me almost like meeting long-lost relatives. They emanated an incredible feeling of peace, love and other things that I just cannot put into words. They ushered me into the craft. We ascend straight up. I don't really know what was going on outside the craft, although it did not ascend by any means we know of today. The craft itself was operated by one of the female beings. The craft seemed to know her. The male and other female sat on either side of me. We had a deep conversation about life existence and our purpose here on Earth. We then arrived wherever where. I have no idea where. Again, just felt familiar. We exited the craft and we were inside of a building. There were many more beings of the same type. The area was large, very beautiful and bright. There was an enormous sitting area where we continued to discuss very deep subject matter. The other entities were also communicating. It was like a council or a meeting. I felt such incredible love that I did not want to leave. Suddenly they told me that I had to come back, that I would be okay and they would always be with me. I suddenly woke up in my bed. I dismissed it as a lovely dream. A couple days later, while checking my mailbox, I noticed a circular pattern in the grass in my front yard. The grass was bent over much like you would see in a crop circle. I asked my husband what it was, and he had no idea. Then I realized that the dream I had actually occurred and the craft had landed in my front yard. I told my husband about this, and of course he dismissed it. We only talked about it again recently. It came up in conversation and I said what could have caused the indentation, and I wished I had taken a picture to which he replied we should have had the soil sampled. He admitted that when I first showed him the first thought he had was UFO, and then after telling him the story he was so internally shaken up he couldn't think about it. On my boat 35 miles due east off the coast of Asbury Park, New Jersey left from Sandy Hook. Been fishing all day chumming the waters for blues and what have ya. It was sweltering hot and just my buddy and I with four poles out and hours have passed. We're sitting on deck chairs that put our head height just below the rear deck gunwales so our vision is trained on the poles and not our surroundings. Around 1 p.m. comes and the sun is just beating us up and my friend says, I'm so hot I'm going to jump in the water and starts to take off his shirt. I immediately tell him, no way are you doing that. We've been chumming for five hours now and it's a very bad idea. A shark will get ya. I tell him take a gallon of water out of the fridge and to douse himself. So he goes to the galley, fetches the water and stands up in the aft cockpit and cools himself off and then comes back to the lower deck and plops back down in the deck chair and says, I feel much better. I then say, yeah, at least you weren't shark bait. And two seconds later, we hear the unmistakable loud bang of a gun. We both shoot up, and as we do, we hear another shot and yank our necks to the forward starboard where there is another boat we did not even know was there with one guy hanging onto a rod for dear life. 
and another guy leaning over pointing a shotgun into the water while he fires off another round. After another 15 minutes or so, they attempt to haul this beast lurking below into the boat. By now we know it's a shark, but the size and type is what really threw me off. It was a nine feet bull shark. First off, a bull shark is a known human attacker and surely would have gone after my friend had he jumped in and secondly, why was it so far off in deep water? It could have been the most unlucky coincidence ever. After consulting the water temp charts later that evening, it seems it probably followed the prevailing warm current so far offshore and doing so was definitely out of its normal hunting grounds and likely very hungry as they caught it on a six pound snapper as bait. It would have loved my 200 pounds friend to death. We fished together many times after that, and not once did he ever mutter the thought of jumping in to cool off. We were hunting antelope in a very remote spot in the west desert of Utah. We were four hours drive from the nearest town and had camped several miles off the nearest road or marked trail. I remember it being the darkest night I've ever experienced. Could not see my hand in front of my face, but the stars were amazing. I awoke in the middle of my sleep to the sound of a low flying plane. We opened the tent to see a small plane coming in for a landing on the other side of a hill. We were scared out of our minds as we were in a spot probably few people have ever been in. An hour later, we heard the plane take off into the night sky. We couldn't sleep after that. The next morning, we climbed the hill and slowly peered over to see a makeshift runway there in the desert. We've tried to find the spot on Google Maps for years with no luck and still aren't sure what to make of it all. truck driver here. About a year ago, I was stopped at a Flying J in Indiana. There was plenty of parking, so I parked way in the back away from everyone else to enjoy the quiet. I took my dog for a run, took a shower, and went to sleep. Later on in the night, I started to have terrible nightmares. I can't remember the details, but it was seventh level of hell type of shit. Finally, I wake from my horror, and I just hear these hell beasts whining, screaming, and wailing. The most awful noises you have ever heard in your life. Confused and dazed, I roll around in the sleeper a little and try to get my bearings. I figure the sounds are part of my dream and I'm not really awake. Well, the nightmares and the sounds continue. Finally, I get out of the sleeper and check my mirrors. I see a livestock hauler parked next to me. Weird. He could have parked in a secluded area like I did. Most livestock guys do this anyways. I figure he's just got some hogs that are going nuts. I'm too tired to move my truck, so I go back to sleep. I wake up a little while later to the nightmares and sounds again. I have to pee, so I figure I'll get out and see what the hell is going on. I get up to the cab and see that the livestock hauler is gone and the sounds have suddenly stopped. I start to question my sanity for a minute. As I open my door to get out, my dog wakes up and follows me. This is when I really start to think I might be going nuts. My dog was asleep for the entire ordeal. He never even flinched. He's also a border collie, so when there's livestock around he gets hyper and in a hurting mood. I take a leak, get back in the truck and go back to sleep. Was a really weird couple of hours.
I'm from Mexico and I attended a university near Amarillo, Texas. The journey from Mexico usually took around 10 hours by car, and the route was predominantly characterized by sprawling ranches and picturesque forests. On one particular occasion, I made the decision to begin my drive from Mexico at 8 p.m., aiming to travel throughout the night and avoid heavy traffic. As the clock struck midnight, I found myself passing by a series of ranches near San Antonio. The surrounding landscape was serene and bathed in the pale glow of the moon. It was then that something unexpected unfolded before my eyes an encounter that would forever linger in my memory. A deer emerged from the darkness, gracefully crossing the highway directly in front of me. However, what set this sighting apart from any other was the peculiar way it moved. To my astonishment, the deer walked upright, using only its hind legs, resembling the gait of a human. I couldn't believe my eyes as I witnessed this extraordinary sight, a creature defying nature's expectations. As I processed the surreal scene before me, an eerie sensation washed over me. Suddenly, amidst the quiet solitude of the night, my mother's voice pierced through the air, echoing as if she were right there beside me within the confines of the truck. Her voice carried an urgent tone, filled with alarm and distress. Startled, I frantically scanned the vehicle, searching for any trace of my mother's presence. Yet the cabin remained empty, devoid of any physical manifestation of her being. Confusion and a sense of unease gripped my heart. I lived with my grandparents and my mother. Grandparents were out of town on a trip, and my mom had left for work an hour prior at 11 p.m. She works graveyard shifts. This was not the first time I'd stayed at home alone, but it wasn't a regular thing. You'd think I would have fun with it and make whatever food I want, browse online without being watched, watch whatever on TV and live the dream as a kid with freedom. I'm the opposite. On high alert, watching Disney Channel with the phone next to me. Eventually, I start to relax and get up to walk to the kitchen. Something is off. My basement door is always shut to avoid cold air coming into the main floor and it's cracked. Me being me, I panic and freeze in my tracks. I keep staring at it and see it move back and forth for a few seconds and see it slam shut. I freak the F out and run to get my flats and shoot out the front door. With my keys in the middle of winter, snow falling and it's fairly windy, I ran full speed down the street and around the corner to a family friend's house. I bang on the door and they answer and ask if someone chasing me and I said I don't know but I think someone's in my house. I'm beyond terrified so I called my mom from their phone and explained what happened while crying and struggling to breathe. I stayed over there that night and my mom picked me up when she got off work at around 7 in the morning. We go back to the house and investigate. Nothing weird when we open the door to go downstairs, but at the end of the stairs there's a water trail on the floor. Leads to the back door to outside and it's cracked open. It's unlocked, but it can't be unlocked from the outside because it's a sliding latch, and it didn't seem forced or broken so it must have been left open. There's footprints outside the door that are kind of covered from fresh snow, but you can tell someone was there and broke in. My mom didn't call the cops, although I wish she would have, but she's not one to look into things. I could break my wrist and she'd tell me to ice it and move on. 
Anyway, we called my grandparents and told them what happened. They were worried and glad I was okay. When they got back, my grandpa installed a nice dead bolt on the door. I'm 20 now and I'm still scared in my own apartment at night, but I made sure to get a place with nice security and made friends with the neighbors in case of emergencies. First story is about me heading to my middle school bus stop. I lived about three, four small blocks away from my stop in a small town. I had loads of energy when I was younger, so I would get up at 5.30 a.m. to get ready for school, and once I was finished, I would just head to the bus stop to hang out. It's still pretty dark outside once I start walking 6.30ish, and since it's a quiet town, I was never really scared to walk in the dark. One morning I was on my way there just minding my business, probably following cracks on the sidewalk, and I hear grunting. Fast-paced, primal grunting. I looked around for a second and made eye contact with one of the homeless men in the area, and he charged after me. I was probably four feet eleven, tiny girl with a ponytail running to my bus stop, which is marked as someone's house and hid inside one of the bushes. It was still dark, but I could make out a body walking around slowly as if he was searching for me. After a few minutes he leaves and I knock on the house's door and tell the owner what happened, and he lets me stay inside neighborhood watch homes or bus stops for kids, so I was fine until other kids get there. Told my mom wasn't allowed to walk there alone for months. I worked in a gun shop in Houston. One day this guy comes in and asks what is the process to buy a gun if he is not a US citizen. We had to call the BATF to find out. He was a ship captain with a Panamanian passport. He needed a pistol. He had to get a letter from the Panamanian consulate and some export paperwork before he could buy it. We asked him why he would go through all this trouble. Turns out, in the middle of the Atlantic, one of the crewmen woke up the cook and asked him to make some coffee. The cook took offense and chased the guy down and cut off his arm with a machete. The cook would be on the ship on the return trip. On the evening of July 11, 2023, I walked outside my house to investigate why my neighbor's dog was wildly barking. I live in a small town in northern Minnesota. I went through the door at the side of my house that is also connected to the garage. Anyways, while I was standing by the side of my house, wondering what the dog was barking at, I looked to my right where there was a small empty lot full of grass and bushes, and I saw something about the size of a Great Dane with large pitch black eyes looking at me. It was light brown, had long fur, and was standing in the grass about 30 yards from me. I think its face was like a monkey. Actually, it reminded me of a baboon, but there's no way that is what it was. Anyways, I'm almost 100% sure it wasn't a dog, cat, or anything else. I screamed so loud that my neighbors ran out and started to look for whatever it was. My neighbors grabbed his rifle and walked into the lot. After several minutes, he returned and said that whatever it was growled at him, but it was hidden in the bushes. He said the growl was unlike anything that he had ever heard before. He is a hunter and is very familiar with the local wildlife. Whatever it was could be heard running off. I called the local police and reported the sighting. 
Has anyone else reported anything like this? I need answers. I'm fearful that it may come back. I was riding back from a three-day stint out in the desert with my squad. We were assigned to protect a convoy that was carrying vital supplies for our own troops. I don't know what it was exactly, but they told us if anything happened to those trucks, then the war would have been even more devastating than what it already is. I just work as an officer, not some military strategist. Anyhow, being out there in the open desert with nothing but you and your squad mate is pretty disconcerting, at least to me anyway, with all these strange sounds coming from everywhere. One can easily get scared, especially during night patrols when everything falls deathly silent. Except it was not. As I was leading the convoy through our last night patrol for those three long days without any incident or trouble from anyone, we were just about to call off the guard duty and rest up for a little bit when it happened. It was me who spotted them first as my squad mates slept. As usual, I had to take watch. They weren't exactly hard to miss with all their lights and everything, but there were four of them. These big, bright metallic yellow orbs that kept following us everywhere, even if we tried to hide behind the hills and other obstacles. Their position was given away easily enough. I told my team members, but they didn't believe me at first until they saw them too. They said these things must be scouts from an opposing military force. I was not so sure, and neither were they. We did not see any other military personnel that night. These things made their way to us slowly, but we remained calm. That is, until they began glowing brighter and more intensely. It then dawned on all of us what exactly these mysterious floating orbs were. The next thing we heard was a loud screeching sound coming from one of the things, and immediately after, another one started doing the same while two others remained silent. This went on for minutes before they suddenly sped off towards our base, which sat miles away from where we currently were. We did not know if whatever gave them such bright light had caused damage to our camp or worse, infiltrated it. And by the time we got there an hour later, everything seemed normal. We even questioned our commanders, and they confirmed that there was indeed a sort of strange light that came from the direction of where we were patrolling, but they did not know what it was. All I can remember is them telling us to forget about it, to get back to our homes, for we were dismissed by the higher-ups. It only took me a moment to realize what exactly those lights were before my squad mates told me that they were pulled in by their superiors, and they weren't lying. I'm a professional trucker named Merle, and my days are spent on the road, transporting goods across vast distances. On one particular night, I found myself cruising along a desolate highway in the heart of New Mexico. The darkness enveloped the landscape, and the only company I had was the hum of the engine and the occasional flicker of passing headlights. As I drove, my eyes caught sight of something peculiar in the distance, a pair of glowing lights. Curiosity peaked, I maintained my course, steadily closing the gap between us. The lights grew brighter, revealing the outline of a massive creature occupying the road. Its sheer size was astounding, standing at a towering nine feet. The breadth of its shoulders alone could span four feet, showcasing the immense power it possessed. Even from a distance, I could make out the details of its form. Stringy hair clung to its body, 
but beneath the wiry strands, I glimpsed the rippling of muscles flexing with each movement. Its thighs were as robust as tree trunks, exuding an aura of raw strength. The creature's neck was hardly discernible, leading up to a conical-shaped head that seemed to merge characteristics of a gorilla and a Neanderthal man. Its long arms swung with an otherworldly grace, emphasizing the creature's uncanny blend of primal and humanoid traits. As I approached, my instincts told me to slow down, and I cautiously brought my truck to a halt. To my disbelief, I watched as the creature feasted upon a coyote, tearing into its lifeless body with a ferocious hunger. The sight was both awe-inspiring and disturbing, a primal reminder of the harsh realities that exist beyond our daily lives. Suddenly, as if sensing my presence, the creature's gaze snapped towards me. Its eyes locked with mine, and it emitted a bone-chilling shriek that pierced the night air. Without hesitation, the creature sprinted towards the nearby woods with a speed and agility resembling that of a human. Its departure left behind the grotesque tableau of a dead coyote sprawled across the road. I sat there in stunned silence, my heart racing as I tried to comprehend what I had just witnessed. After a moment, I mustered the courage to step out of the truck and approach the lifeless coyote. My curiosity overwhelmed my fear, and I inspected the remains, hoping to find some clue to the nature of this enigmatic creature. The torn flesh and scattered bones only deepened the mystery, leaving me with more questions than answers. An eerie chill ran down my spine, and a wave of trepidation washed over me. Hastily, I retreated to the safety of my truck, my hands trembling on the steering wheel. In that moment, I made a silent vow to myself, swearing off alcohol forever. The encounter with that creature had shaken me to my core. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'll give you my creepiest camping story. It was over 20 years ago in southern Missouri. Me 17 and a friend 16 were out camping. We were at least a mile and a half from our truck. We were also at least two miles from the nearest farmhouse. We had set up camp in a small clearing in dense old growth. Clearing was only about 25 feet across. Our fire and lantern light reached the trees, but couldn't penetrate into them. It was dense and yet still had a lot of undergrowth. It was almost midnight and we were about to go to sleep when we started hearing movement near the camp. It didn't sound like a deer or coyotes. It sounded more like a heavy person walking around. 
We were armed, but we were getting really nervous. My friend called out, who's there? And the walking stopped. Then we heard, hoo hoo ah ah to one side. Then on the opposite side, we heard a very similar call. It almost sounded like something you'd hear a chimpanzee or ape make. It made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. My friend's eyes were huge and he mouthed, what the F was that, Ebony? I shrugged. I had no clue what that was. We were shining our lights at the trees, but even our flashlights couldn't penetrate the forest. My friend yelled out again, who the F is out there? And that's when it got even weirder. We heard the hoo hoo ah ah call again, but this time it was followed up with an ear shattering crack. It sounded like something was slamming a tree with another freaking tree. It was loud, about as loud as a rifle shot. Then it happened two more times just as loud. It did not sound far off. Yet we still couldn't see anything in our lights. There was again another answering call from the opposite side of the camp. That one seemed to be coming from farther away than it did the first time though. It also seemed to have moved around a little closer to the first one. We were still shining our lights around, but never did see anything. Didn't even make out any movement in the light. It was just too dense. We kept hearing movement in the woods, but it was moving away from us. After a little bit, all was quiet again. We never did sleep that night. The only thing I can equate the calls we heard that night are to a chimpanzee or an ape. It's the only thing I've ever heard that sounds similar to what we heard that night. Yet it wasn't exactly the same as a chimps or an apes. Those loud cracks we heard sounded like a wooden baseball bat hitting a tree, but way louder. I've heard cougars, coyotes, deer calls, and everything else native to southern Missouri, and still I had never heard this before and still haven't heard anything like it since. I still don't know what we heard that night. Probably never will. This happened back in 2011 to my dad. His job involves a lot of travel, so he's almost always driving alone from sunrise to early dawn depending on the time zone. When he stops at a restaurant around 8 in the evening he frequents, he places his things on a table and proceeds to the toilet. By the time he gets back to his table, he notices two servings of complimentary soup. He questions the staff why they place two bowls of soup when he's the only traveling. The staff puzzlingly replies that when my dad went to the toilet, a long-haired lady dressed in white exited the car and proceeded to the toilet as well. He just brushes it off, finishes his meal, and then continues with his travels, but not before one of the staff cautions him to be careful. While driving, a suddenly downpour obscures his vision, and just when he was about to make a curve, one of his front tires breaks off. Thankfully, he managed to control the car and manages to stop the vehicle, which was inches away from falling into a deep ravine. So it's 2 a.m., dark and raining really hard. He grabs a flashlight, searches for his tire, does some makeshift repairs, and hobbles the car to the nearest town for repairs. I don't know if the two events were related. When my dad told me about what happened, I immediately thought that he might have encountered a banshee, a spirit that heralds death. But it's a big world out there, who knows. I was about 10, 12 when it happened, can't remember exactly. I was coming home from school, and as I entered my building, 
An unfamiliar man in a black jacket followed me inside and started walking up the stairs behind me. I wasn't spooked out because I had lots of neighbors and often saw people I didn't know. The thing was, I live in a flat that is in the very top part of the building, and no one else lives on that level. So when the man didn't stop by the last flat below mine, I was immediately alarmed. But being a 10 or 12 year old, I didn't do or say anything and just kept nearing my flat, hoping that maybe he was an acquaintance of my parents. I don't recall exactly how I felt, but I know I was not nearly as terrified as I should have been. He was on the landing when I reached the door. I rang the bell and my sister opened. The moment the man saw that there was someone inside, he turned around without a word and started walking downstairs. Relieved as hell, I hurried inside. My sister 1517 at the time noticed the man and asked who that was, and I just mumbled I didn't know. We never talked about it again and didn't even tell our parents. It was only sometime later that I realized just how badly it could have ended if the flat had been empty. Pretty sure we saw a dead body floating in the water once around 17 miles east of the Treasure Coast in Florida. We had just finished up a great day of offshore trolling for Mahai and were heading back inshore running about 25 knots. We weren't paying very much attention at the time as we were in the open water and primarily using the GPS for navigation. I'm not sure what caused me to look, but as we are cruising along I happened to look off the port side of the boat and saw a yellow blob about six foot in length floating on the surface of the water. I alerted the cat and we slowed down and turned around to go back and check. It was starting to get late and the sun was almost completely down. We were unable to find what I had just seen, so we continued our trip back to shore. Two days later, I saw an article in our local paper about a fisherman who had been recovered from the water, and he was dressed in yellow slicks with a yellow rain jacket when they pulled him from the water. I'm convinced his body was the yellow object I had seen on our trip. In 23, I saw the backside of a huge dog creature. I say huge, it could have just been a really big wild dog in the swamps outside Haines City, Florida. I only caught a glimpse of it, and it kind of looked like Scooby due the way it was running. It was about waist high to me, and I'm six foot six. The image I have of it in my mind is from the back, and it was like a tangle of limbs flying past me within 10 feet. We had just got back from Christmas shopping, and I was helping my mom with getting my baby sister out of the car when the creature ran from my grandparents' backyard, which was directly on a causeway in a boating community. My stepdad yells, hey, and it flew past us. It was a blur as it went by. My stepdad got the best look at it before it got moving. He saw its face and all he's ever been able to tell me is that it looked like a big German shepherd. But in a literal 1.5 seconds, I saw it dive across what was easily an eight-foot ravine, both horizontally and vertically, up the hill and over an alligator-infested creek and into the bushes and trees and marshland on the other side. Then we shined a flashlight over there and could only see a reddish-orange glow of the eye shine. There was a street light pointing in the direction of the house, plus the porch light and motion light in the driveway there so it made it harder to see when it took cover. I could barely make out a big round head in the darkness, 
but I remember it seeming high off the ground for a dog. We stared at it for at least a full minute, and then it turned away and we went inside. I wanted to keep looking, but I didn't want to stand out there alone. True story, maybe not a cryptid, but I'm convinced they're real. The world is a strange place. I tightened my grip on my M16 rifle as we cautiously made our way through the dense, treacherous terrain of the remote island stronghold in Montenegro. Leading our highly trained U.S. Special Forces team was Jack, a seasoned veteran with nerves of steel and an unwavering determination. Our mission was critical. Infiltrate the stronghold controlled by a dangerous Russian terrorist organization, rescue a high-profile Ukrainian hostage, and prevent a catastrophic attack on NATO soil. The stakes couldn't have been higher, and every step we took brought us closer to danger. As we bypassed heavily armed guards and circumvented intricate security systems, the tension in the air was palpable. The adrenaline coursed through my veins, keeping me alert and focused on the task at hand. We were a well-oiled machine, moving swiftly and silently as we approached our target. Finally, after what seemed like an eternity, we reached the heart of the stronghold. The room where the hostage was held captive was heavily guarded, but our training and precision allowed us to neutralize the threat swiftly and without raising the alarm. With our Ukrainian hostage safe, we set explosives to destroy the stronghold and eliminate any trace of the terrorist organization's operations. With the countdown ticking down, we made our way to a pre-designated rendezvous point deep within the woods. Fatigue weighed on our bodies, but our determination pushed us forward. Little did we know that an unexpected encounter awaited us. As we reached the rendezvous point, we caught sight of a creature unlike anything we had ever encountered before. It stood an imposing nine feet tall, with shoulders as wide as four feet. Its stringy hair offered glimpses of the immense muscles that flexed beneath its taut skin. Its thighs were as round as tree trunks, and its lack of a discernible neck accentuated its cone-shaped head. With long arms that swung with unnerving grace, I struggled to find the words to describe this hybrid creature, a terrifying amalgamation of half-gorilla and half-Neanderthal man. Fear and astonishment gripped us as the creature locked its gaze on our team. With a sudden burst of speed, it charged towards us, driven by an unknown purpose. We unleashed a volley of rounds from our M16 rifles, aiming to subdue the beast, but our bullets seemed to have little effect. The creature endured the barrage, shrugging off the impacts as it closed in on us. Time seemed to slow as panic mixed with determination in our eyes. We fought with all our might, engaging in a desperate struggle to survive. But just as it seemed our fate was sealed, the creature abruptly turned and fled into the shadows of the surrounding forest. Its eerie, guttural growls echoed in the distance, leaving us bewildered and awestruck. Relief washed over us as the thumping sound of helicopter blades grew louder in the distance. Our extraction had arrived. As we boarded the helicopter and rose into the air, the question lingered in our minds. What kind of creature had we encountered? I was patrolling in my cruiser when I noticed something out of the corner of my eye. It looked like a man-sized lizard walking on two legs, crossing up ahead. It had shiny scales all over it, 
and it moved very quickly, like it was very comfortable walking on two legs without a problem. Its eyes were this fiery red color. It turned over to look at me, so I did a U-turn for it as soon as it disappeared, thinking this was just some freaking Halloween costume. I drove around aimlessly, checking every road and nook and cranny on the path before going off about where this thing had been seen. About an hour after that, just outside of Colchester County, our cruiser got attacked by what we think was the same lizard creature, except now it came from behind and shattered the back glass. It nearly almost got into the cruiser had it not been knocked off the car and shot at. After this happened, the weird things began happening to all the officers who experienced this. Bad nightmares, strange paranormal happenings at home. Then it became the entire police station. Everybody felt like they were under attack by some kind of demon or devil. There were only so many details to remember about these things. They kind of reminded me of gremlins or ghostbusters, except they were so gross and reptilian looking. The only one who seemed to understand at the time was our second to the chief officer, Schaefer. He had had personal run-ins with these things before, individually and by himself while hunting. And then other strange paranormal happenings began happening all over the police station. Even worse, things got increasingly violent, and I began fearing for my life. Even now, I feel like whatever that thing was had attached evil spirits to me and my fellow colleagues. Do you have any idea at all? I know you're just a YouTube guy, but do you have any idea at all what this could be or if this means anything? I'm just an officer who's desperate looking for help. One of my buddies is a private pilot, and this is my favorite story of his. A friend of his had to fly a small jet filled with half a dozen or so caskets that did in fact contain deceased bodies. Some family issues came up so his friend asked if he could make the flight for him. No problem, it's a quick flight with decent pay, why not? Once he accepts, his friend warns him not to take the aircraft above 30,000 feet. He's a bit puzzled but doesn't worry about it too much, and pretty soon he's in the air along with the least sociable passengers imaginable. Everything's going fine the first few hours, until he notices a heavy weather system building ahead of him. He keeps the same altitude of 30,000 feet for a while, but pretty soon the turbulence is just too much, so he says F it and hauls on up to 45,000 feet. No more turbulence, just smooth sailing at this point. A few minutes later, he starts hearing a strange noise coming from the back of the plane, a strange moaning sound almost, accompanied by the occasional bump. This is pretty sketchy because he's the only crew on the plane, and unless this is some World War Z shit, those passengers shouldn't be making any noise. But nevertheless, the strange moaning and bumps continue. He tries his best to ignore them until there is another bump, much louder than the rest, and a very intense moaning sound. He quickly looks back and sees one of the caskets is open with the person inside sitting almost completely upright. Well shit, this really is some World War Z mess. He just stares at the dead body moaning at him and hopes to God the man was a vegan and wants some brains instead of his brains. The more the body moans though, the more it slinks back into the open coffin. Now the 30,000 feet ceiling makes sense. The remaining air and the lungs of the bodies expanded as the altitude increased until they couldn't hold it anymore and some began to leak out, 
in the form of the creepiest and least sexy moan possible. The one that sat upright expanded so much that his chest cavity actually became buoyant enough to partially lift his upper body. Once he realized this, he noped the F right down to 25,000 feet and never covered a flight for that friend again. My nickname is Detective Mark Smith. I'm a civil servant working in the South Carolina State Park Service Police Department. Recently, while on patrol at Santee State Park, I encountered an individual who claims to be part of the Lizard Man Task Force. It was approximately midnight when dispatch had sent us to investigate reports of somebody screaming from inside the park. We immediately responded. As we neared the location where the screams were last heard, our vehicle malfunctioned, losing all power along with most electrical equipment. This forced us to continue on foot, following what appeared to be abandoned tire tracks leading into a heavily wooded area. The tracks seemed to belong to a mid-sized 4x4 or SUV-type vehicle. We continued on foot as the screams, sounding like a young child pleading for help from something unknown, grew closer. Suddenly, the screams ceased, replaced by the growling sound of an unknown creature. I caught a glimpse of yellow eyes staring at us before it swiftly ran into the night. It took about an hour to find another officer who arrived with a tow truck to pull our car back onto the road. We then contacted dispatch to have it towed away for repair. By now, it was 2.18 a.m., and we headed back to the station, feeling frustrated, tired, and somewhat scared. Upon our return, dispatch informed us of reports of another officer down, whom I'll call Officer James. Apparently, he had been attacked by a large, unknown animal. As we rushed to the scene, more screams were heard from a nearby neighborhood. People there were having their own encounters with this creature. We split into two teams, realizing the extreme aggression and danger this creature posed. Our equipment malfunctioned, causing delays in regrouping. Fortunately, all officers were physically unharmed, but shaken. They described an eight-foot-tall creature with glowing yellow eyes, resembling a giant walking lizard. When we fired at it, the creature growled in a demonic tone and disappeared into the woods. Realizing the abnormal nature of the situation, we knew we needed to reassess our approach. We discovered massive footprints near where Officer James had been attacked. He was seriously injured and had to wait for help to arrive. That night, we first heard about the beings linked to the Lizard Man sightings, which had occurred across the state over the years. After that night, the details become hazy in my memory. However, I found myself taking a friend into Santee State Park to show him something called the Ritual Site. He believed it was connected to the Lizard Men or some sort of cult. We ventured into the woods, reaching an area where the attacks had occurred near the Ritual Site. Suddenly, something large jumped out, with the same height and glowing eyes. It attacked my friend and knocked me unconscious in the process. When I woke up, I searched for my friend for hours, but he was nowhere to be found. Desperate, I approached a park ranger and explained what had happened. He suggested seeking more police assistance at the Santee State Park Ranger Station, as they were experiencing more encounters with this creature. When we arrived at the station, the sheriff explained that they had been receiving numerous sightings of the Lizard Man. It became evident that the creature was very, very real. 
In June of 1947, multiple ships traversing the trade routes at Malacca, which is located between Sumatra and Malaysia, claimed to have picked up a series of SOS distress signals. The unknown ship's message was as simple as it was disturbing. All officers, including captain, are dead, lying in chart room and bridge, possibly whole crew dead. This communication was followed by a burst of indecipherable Morse code, then a final grim message, I die. This cryptic proclamation was followed by tomb-like silence. The crews that received the message were able to triangulate the source of these broadcasts and deduce that they were likely emanating from a Dutch freighter known as the SS Aurang Medan. A merchant ship known as the Silver Star was closest to the presumed location of the Aurang Medan 400 nautical miles southeast of the Marshall Islands. Within hours, the Silver Star caught sight of the Aurang Medan rising and falling in the choppy waters of the Malacca Strait. As the merchant craft neared the ill-omened vessel, the crew noticed that there was no sign of life on the deck. The men on the Silver Star began to call out in motion to the Aurang Medan. There was no response. The captain of the Silver Star assembled a boarding party. The brave men boarded the ship and made a grisly discovery. The decks of the vessel were littered with the corpses of the Dutch crew, their eyes wide, their arms grasping at unseen assailants, their faces twisted into revolting visages of agony and horror. Even the ship's dog was dead, its once intimidating snarl frozen into a ghastly grimace. The boarding party found the captain's remains on the bridge, while his officers' cadavers were strewn about the wheelhouse and chart room. The communications officer was still at his post, as dead as the rest, his fingertips resting on the telegraph. All of the corpses, according to reports, bore the same terrified, wide-eyed expressions as the crew on deck. The temperature outside was 110 Fahrenheit, but the search party reported feeling a cold chill in the nadir of the hold. The captain of the Silver Star decided that they would tether themselves to the Orang Medan and tow it back to port. But as soon as the crew attached the tow line to the Dutch ship, they noticed ominous billows of smoke pouring up from the number four hold. The boarding party scarcely had a chance to cut the tow line and make it back to the Silver Star before the Orang Medan exploded with such tremendous force that it lifted itself from the water and swiftly sank. The crew watched the Dutch vessel disappear beneath the briny depths. So what exactly happened? Theories have ranged from pirates to the paranormal. The most widely believed claim is that seawater could have entered the ship's hold, reacting with the perilous cargo to release poisonous gases, which then caused the crew to suffocate. At this point, the onrushing salt water might have reacted with the nitroglycerin, creating the explosive effect that was said to cause the ship's ultimate demise. The fact that there are no registration records for the Orang Medan remains a troublesome detail. There have been many claims that records may have been eradicated by a savvy group of governmental conspirators due to the nature of the ship's mission. Nobody knows what happened to the SS Orang Medan, except for the crew who now rest at the bottom of the ocean. I spent a lot of time stargazing as a kid, so one summer, my stepdad bought me a really nice telescope with a camera objective to look at the moon and stars with. One night we went out to the hydroelectric dam 40 miles from the nearest town to get some telescopic pictures of the Milky Way, 
The moon was out and about half illumination without a cloud in the night sky. We were out there until 1 a.m. and we were packing up the telescope and other gear when something with a simply enormous wingspan sped silently over our heads very quickly. It was pitch black and cast a shadow on the ground from the moonlight. It was gone in almost an instant. We looked at each other and both exclaimed in harmony, What in the F was that? I have never heard of any kind of aircraft with a wingspan that large or even one that could move in such complete silence. Even gliders make some kind of wind noise. We were far enough away from any airport or military base for anything to be flying that low. It was like something not of this world. It creeps me out to this day, some 20 years later. Last November, in the southern part of the Olympic Mountains, I embarked on a hiking adventure with my loyal dog. We had covered about 10 miles when we decided to veer off the established trail and explore the untrodden wilderness. The dense brush challenged our progress, but we pressed on, driven by curiosity. As we waded our way through the thick foliage, my dog abruptly stopped and began lowering himself to the ground. I was taken aback by this unusual behavior, as I had never seen him act in such a manner before. Instinctively, I followed suit and crouched down beside him trying to remain as still and silent as possible. In the midst of the tense silence, a sudden and distinct crunch shattered the tranquility, resonating from a point approximately 20 to 30 feet away. My heart skipped a beat, and I felt the adrenaline surge through my veins. My dog remained motionless beside me, his senses acutely attuned to the enigmatic sound. Time seemed to stretch as we held our breath, waiting anxiously for any sign of movement. Minutes passed, each one dragging like an eternity, until finally, a figure emerged from the wilderness, just twenty feet away from our concealed position. It was a creature, most similar to a Bigfoot. My eyes widened in disbelief as I witnessed the towering figure standing before me. The creature, often regarded as a figment of imagination, stood imposingly in the dappled sunlight filtering through the dense forest canopy. Without hesitation, the enigmatic being vanished into the depths of the woods, disappearing as quickly as it had appeared.